Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, we are continuing our series on the Bray family, uh, in particular Clovis Bray and his kind of descent into madness uh, on Europa and uh, how that leads to the creation of the Exos as we know it and how the Exos were made. Uh, Last time we uh, ended with Clovis having a uh, a brush with death, um, having I believe it was like cardiac arrest or or uh, uh, something where his body shut down for a period of time where he was clinically dead temporarily before he was brought back uh, by his his uh, frames and robots and such. Um, but during his time in this death state. Uh, he had a vision of himself, lord of a a pond, and all of the citizens were aphids, and you know, very high and mighty. I'm better than everybody, kind of interpretation. And uh, decided after he, you know, came out of it that clearly that was a vision from Clarity Control. That was a vision from you know God asking him to join them in their pantheon. And uh, so he was going to continue with, you know, even extra fervor now, his uh, development of a vex gate, which he was doing under direction of the voice he referred to as clarity control. And, and just to be clear, these they aren't from God. They're <laughs> all of his visions and dreams... They're just psychotic states of mind after dying. So, yeah. It's, Pretty sure that one is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first one, eh, maybe from Clarity, maybe from The Witness, maybe a little bit of both. This one's definitely all his own making. Yes. Uh, but Clovis is, you know, in ailing health as the now multiple deaths, um, you know, is indicative of. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he's he's having to, like, reharvest organs and, and do full blood transfusions and stuff. Yeah, he's got donor pigs on standby for various so different creepy. organ transplants. I, I don't, I, that might be even creepier than these visions, man. Hey, I've got, I've got Wilmer over here. He's got new kidneys for me this week. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like it. It freaks me out, man. He is bound and determined to keep himself alive until... You know, he has some route to immortality. Um, but he understands that he's on a timetable and he needs things to move quickly. He needs another uh, willing, you know, smart, bray mind to assist him with this. And he thinks about reaching out to a number of family members. We read a couple unsent messages last time uh, and decides ultimately to reach out to Elsie uh, kind of because he has something over her. He knows that she also, like her father, has the Clovis curse, which Clovis Bray the first is responsible for, uh, and kind of uses the threat of what that disease will do to her in time um, as a means of getting her here in hopes of finding a cure, uh, as well as you know help him with what he's trying to do. Definitely, definitely the most, I, I, I say the most capable of the, of the 
uh, Bray grandchildren. Um, definitely, they all have very, very, uh, uh, very, very smart grandchildren, and, and they all have their fields that their expertise is in. But I feel like Elsie. I don't want to say she's the most willing to help, but she definitely feels the most capable. At least, at least to me, she does. That's the, that's the way I've always looked at Elsie. Is she kind of she kind of fits? And and maybe this is just like a like we we as the players know what Elsie ends up as eventually, and so right. maybe it's just like that. Like oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, she there's nobody else that could have been the perfect candidate to help him. But I just I just feel like she she really is. Yeah, and. Uh... And say I don't think she's there because she's willing per se, but she is willing to find a cure for herself. Um, and I think at the same time, like kind of keep an eye on her crazy yeah, grandfather. I th- I think it's more of that. <laughs> maybe maybe one of those like if I can keep an eye on him to where he can't do as crazy craziness as he thinks he can do. Yeah, yeah. But so. We uh, begin tonight diving back in to Clovis Bray's logbook where he documented uh, many of his, his kind of journal entries on, on Europa and through this EXO process. Um, and we start tonight with what is labeled as uh, Section 32, um, which is a message to Elsie Bray uh, as she arrives uh, near near or on Europa. So Clovis sends her a message that says, I see that your ship is making its orbital insertion. I trust the progress on Bray Station will impress. It makes a fine mooring point. And its transmat facilities are the quickest way down to the surface. There is no luxury as fine as a good th- telepheretic network. It gets you to the edge of the map where the real work begins. I'll want to examine you as soon as you arrive, just to get a baseline measurement on the progress of the disease. The transmat system is unfortunately not an adequate imager. As you are well aware, transmat obeys the no-cloning theorem, functioning precisely because it doesn't allow us to store or copy the information transmitted. Otherwise, there would be no need for exobodies. We could simply print healthy copies of ourselves from the transmat. Perhaps Willa will one day learn how to engramalize and duplicate the human form, hmm? But for now, I promise I won't conduct any brain scans. If we're ultimately going to transubstantiate you, we'll wait until I'm certain the exobodies are safe and I vow to obtain your full consent. I've prepared an itinerary, starting with a review of our security and then an introduction to our captive Vex worker. I want your insight on everything related to containment and control. I know you had strong feedback about how the K-1 mission was handled. You'll see that certain areas of our facility are off-limits. They are under my personal authority and I keep them sequestered for everyone's safety. I know you'll be curious anyway. I won't condescend to give you instructions you won't obey, but know that your attempts to penetrate those areas will not succeed. Welcome. We have so much to do. And that's the end of that message. I got got a couple things for this one. Uh, First and foremost, 
I want to I want to take an engram to Rahul and have him decrypt it and out pops a person. <laughs> if that ever happens, I'm running the fuck away. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, the ultimate prank for Rahul. I don't. What what is this? And Rahul's just like, I don't know, man. That's what it decrypted as. <laughs> suck to suck, bro. You go there hoping for like Starfire Protocol or Nazarek Sin or you know Sun Bracers. Like, nope, you're a father now. You're a father now. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck in life. Uh, no, I I uh, now I'm so hung up on this idea <laughs> of decrypting an engram into a human. I've, every other thought has left my mind. Oh man. Uh, well, clearly, clearly he's 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 lying to her. Like, I, or at least I feel again, I feel like he is lying to her about a not doing a brain scan, b areas that are off limits that are just for him, and and they don't contain they don't contain anything bad. Well, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously he's hiding stuff there. It's his own private facility, all that jazz. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. Um, I, I, the, the map thing, that's what it was. Um, I like that he referenced back to that map idea, right? Like he talks about how like, and we talked about this before too, where like maps are finite and they have exact edges and he wants to go in the spaces beyond the edges. And so yep. like her landing here is like getting to the edge of the map. And it's like, now we start to explore those edges beyond the borders, the, the uncharted space. And I, I, I like that he, I like that he has that. It, he as 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 insane as he is, he's very consistent. I'll give him that. He is that, yes. Uh, yeah, and you know, interesting that he's like, I won't condescend by telling you what not to do, as he writes out an entirely condescending message. <laughs> right. uh, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> he's it's whatever. It's like yeah, whatever. I mean, Elsie knows what she's in for, so oh, absolutely, hundred percent. But. Uh, that brings us to the next entry. Um, this is some time has passed, presumably. Um, the Vex Gate has been finished and completed by Bob. And uh... <laughs> you, you know, you know, I've been doing that now too. You know, I've been going through like every Vex, every Vex Goblin, and going, "Are you Bob? No, okay, you can die." <laughs> uh, but so yeah, the gate is built and. They've only got one thing left to do, and that's explore it. So section 33, um, entry 7, Clovis says this. We passed through the gate, myself and my team. Elizabeth insisted on coming. I could hardly call her all this way and then refuse her. But what, way, but what lay beyond? And then there's a printout. Gateway analysis, a non-gravitating, purely geometric, traversable wormhole of the Ellis configuration. There is no singularity and no firewall. The wormhole manifold provides a pathway to another four-point in our space-time, or in a nearby parallel universe in the quantum many-worlds ensemble. So I'm going to pause there for a second, because that's I was going to say, that's that's a mouthful. Um, They've built the gateway. This Vex gate. Uh, it is a wormhole, though it does not follow the rules of a traditional wormhole. Uh, instead, it provides a pathway to either another four point 
I, I assume by four point they mean, um, you know, like X, X, the XYZ, four dimensions. X, yeah, yeah. Um, like almost like star coordinates type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so another four point in our space time or a nearby parallel universe in the quantum many worlds ensemble. So I, I like that it didn't rule out a, a parallel universe like that. That right. to me was like the really neat part of that. So it's it's essentially saying like somewhere else in the universe or it's the same spot in our universe, just in the one that's a step to the right or a step to the left or, you know, whatever. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, I don't know that anyone has observed a Vexgate at this point in the timeline, like like this, at least, that's gotten up close. I was going to say not in the human history up to this point. Because, I, I mean, unless if Ishtar was doing something with them on... No, because there'd be gateboards to block them out. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think anyone would have. So, they step through. We passed into a gallery of awesome light. It struck us to our knees. The probe imagery did not prepare us. A curtain of blue-violet fire filled an entire half of the sky pebbled with granules, seething with promontories and flares. We stood beneath a blue hypergiant, titan of suns, looming over all. It should have killed my human-bodied companions instantly. With peak radiance in the far ultraviolet, it would have cooked flesh. But the probes said it was, impossibly, safe for life. We fanned out into ancient stone ruins, pierced by dull metal towers and flickering lines of light. Though the rock was cracked and pitted by radiation, our geologists identified it at once. Felsic granite, they had reported. No iron, no heavy metals at all. A lot more sodium, oxygen, boron, and aluminum than I'd expected. And a lot less... Silicon. This rock, the geologist said, is almost 13 billion years old. It formed with the very first generation of planets, less than a billion years after the universe itself was born. We were standing on a dissected piece of one of the first worlds. That's not possible the astronomer had protested. That's a type zero hypergiant up there. They're lucky to live two million years, and its metallicity is 15 sigma above average. That's not an old star. I opened my arms to the light. The gate had taken us to a miracle. This star was big enough to fill the solar system from the sun to the orbit of Neptune bright enough to shine like the full moon, even from the distance of Alpha Centauri. Yet here I was, unblinded. Something had tampered with this star. Our physical physical identified a lensing effect. Our physicist identified a lensing effect, magnifying the star's optical size and redshifting its radiation. It was as if the whole behemoth was wrapped in some kind of skin.
But that was only the beginning. So we're going to pause there again, because this is a long one. I, I love the description of this place. Like, when, when, when I first read this, I always thought of this as like, is this the Vex homeworld? Is this where Vex originated from? Like, but like the idea of this place, like just the idea of this place existing, the, the size of this sun that is there, this thing is massive. I mean, the fact that it like, it could clearly like Alpha Centauri, correct me if I'm wrong, is the closest star to our solar system. I think that's the case, yeah. I think that's right. Um, I keep getting that and Vega mixed up, but I, I, I think Alpha Centauri is the closest. Um, so yeah, so the fact that it could it could be that far out and still clearly be seen by us here on on Earth is like that. That's a huge distance to to cross. And then it's like it's like a physical anomaly. Like it shouldn't exist. The place where they're standing is so old, and and the, this this sun is so new somehow but but it's still like the old like everything about this place is an impossibility like there's no iron there's no uh um or some of the other metals he called out i know iron iron was the key one oh there's no silicone like like that like some of these base materials that are present pretty much everywhere are just not there and it's it, it's it's such a it's such a anomaly and impossibility like the 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 gravity of the sun should have killed them right like that's that that's mind-blowing so many things the heat of it the, the gravity of it, yeah. of it the solar winds alone yeah. uh they've got kind of scoured in the margins on this page that um the the stellar wind from this star is 2000 kilometers per second that's in fun. travel like speed. that should shear something like yeah it, it, vaporize is the only word i have like that that's like that's like atomic bomb explosion overpressure vaporization like that's yeah no that's that everything here is an impossibility which which almost makes me think more and more that it's a parallel universe but you know it's it's a vex built it so right who knows who fucking knows <laughs> But regardless, they have stepped through this portal into a land of impossibility, things that should not be happening. Uh, you know, this star for its age should have died off. Uh, it shouldn't look or produce nearly the amount of energy it does. And yet it is. They shouldn't be able to survive it, yet they are. Uh, so this is definitely a, a place of... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would go so far as to say uh, paracausality, but like things are beyond any anything they understand or expected. So we're going to continue this entry. And Clovis goes on to say, Our instruments identified glints of brighter light against the sunfire. They were orbiting mirror clusters, gathering the star's radiation and focusing it back, burning wounds in the photosphere. These solar stigmata hemorrhaged endless flares, geysers of energy and precious metals. Above those cutting mirrors, rings encircled the star like gharial wires. 
These were particle accelerators, generating blades of electromagnetic force that stabbed down into the star's skin, through photosphere and tectoline toward the core. They're stirring it, I realized. To pull metals out of the core and send fresh hydrogen down to fuse. Is it possible that they've... And they had. They had refueled the star. They were stoking it. Enormous portals dumped streams of hydrogen into the giant, replenishing its mass and fusion power. At this obscene size and brightness, this star should have gone supernova in less than two million years. It would take a single photon to crawl from the core to the surface. But with careful refueling, that supernova could be averted. This giant might have been here since the dawn of stellar time. Perhaps this star had begun as some metal-poor Population II dwarf, surrounded by meager, rocky planets. But the inhabitants of one of those planets had found a way to pump their sun full of hydrogen, supercharging it, pushing it to the edge of stability, all in the name of making metal. In the early universe, elements heavier than helium were unthinkably rare. So these first-born aliens built a forge, a fusion smelter, for the atoms they needed. And we're going to pause there. So, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, the sun is nuclear fission or nuclear fusion? Fusion. Fusion. Combination of... Combining two... Hydrogens yep. to release energy. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's exactly what's happening here. They are literally refueling a nuclear reactor. Is is, is the the like base <laughs> the, yeah. the basic uh, principle here? But like the 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 idea of that, I, I fucking love it. I love any type of like sci fi thing that could be like this. This is like borderline explainable and like, hey, that might be doable. We just need particle accelerators that are strong enough to launch hydrogen through the <laughs> through the outer <laughs> layers of the sun to get it to the center, and then it'll live forever. <laughs> like that's the idea behind it is yeah. freaking amazing. Like I I love this idea, but what the hell, man? Like who who thinks? And and it had to have been like that way. At least in this in this instance, it had to have been that way for billions of years that they've been refueling this thing. Right. That's what that to me is what's truly mind blowing. Like, who who what ancient technology what ancient civilization thought this shit up that was like, hey, our our son's dying. How do we fix it? Well, and Ta-da. I don't know that that is exactly what fueled this uh this project to keep it going because he, he describes it as it's a smelter he describes it as the the purpose of the contraptions that have been built around this this star are to make metal in a oh, yeah early early universe where metal didn't really exist yet all the all because because as you go down the periodic table like that's more and more protons and electrons that have to be added and neutrons uh, to keep the equation balanced um, to each element to make it a, a, a the next higher element on the table. 
And so like 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 what they were describing here, like anything outside of hydrogen, which is number two, helium's number one, hydrogen's number two, or am I reversed them? Hydrogen's number one. There we go. Base basis form is hydrogen. Uh so yeah, so like anything past like helium would have been like this is an impossibility. So yeah, the the fact that it they built these forges a to fuel like I, and I'm curious as like what what came first like did they build these forges or accelerators or whatever to make the heavier elements or did they do it to refuel the sun and the element thing was a byproduct or was refueling the sun a byproduct like that's I love I love this place I absolutely love this impossible place. <laughs> Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion based on who most likely built this uh, that metal was probably the intended goal. But could have been the other way around. So he continues. We turned outwards, hoping to locate pulsars in the sky and thereby fix our position. But the stars were blotted out by a swarm of bronze discs. They were statites, a shell of artificial worlds, hovering on the star's radiation. Years ago, I had proposed tearing apart Mercury to form a shell like this. And here, I found my ambition achieved a thousandfold. It seemed our gate had delivered us upon one of these statites. We ventured out to the out of the ruins onto an island of living glass, broken by fissures of deep green light and reservoirs of white fluid. Around the glass, a shallow sea trembled with tiny intersecting waves. In one direction, a cloud of mist obscured a shattered tower, its form uncannily different from the surrounding architecture. Above us loomed structures linked by bolts of lightning reminiscent of the citadel ruins on Venus. And that was when, in spite of the awesome power on display, I felt crushing disappointment. There was no trace of Clarity's influence anywhere. If this was a Vex construct, then it was an ancient and formidable one. But in a few minutes, I had already grasped its overall purpose. It was no longer an area of crisis and potential, somewhere off the edge of the map. Just mighty clockwork instead. I had come hoping for a meeting with the unknowable. Instead, I had found an engineering museum. Oh, we could explore it for thousands of years and not touch a single percent of its wonder, but Clarity had promised me a solution to immortality. I had promised Elizabeth a cure. I needed a way to use Clarity as a solvent and seed for my exobodies. How would I find it here? Perhaps the Vex themselves were the key. I knew that the Ishtar Collective had achieved stable simulations of human minds. They refused to share their method with me. What if they had stolen the method from the Vex they studied? I called over one of my scientists, N. M. Sundaresh. I want to bring back samples, I told her. There will be some risk. The Vex are not always docile. 
Some at Solcessant even suggested we were in a state of war with the Vex, though I felt their responses were more like the stings of drowsy hornets. Is your team ready to accept that risk? I had asked. She nodded at my proxy. Of course, Mr. Bray. We've come this far, no sense going home unless we bring something with us. I dispatched teams to secure Vex samples. When they began to harvest fluid from the nearby reservoir, a group of lightly armed Vex platforms attacked them with inaccurate weapon fire. Elizabeth replied with a matter laser, a grotesquely disproportionate weapon. A coherent matter pulse bears the same relation to an ordinary bullet that a gamma laser does to a flashlight. There was nothing left to salvage. I explained to her that we must proceed as investigators, not conquerors. If we simply scavenge and abduct out of curiosity, the Vex will reply in kind. And that is a risk we can manage. We must not provoke them to war. And that is finally the end of that section. So, th- so I think I've got three things here out of this portion of it that I that I want to touch on. Uh, one, Clovis to me, at least at this point in time, I I think of I think of I think of him as like a child rooting around in a Lego bucket, looking for that one piece that he that he he's so convinced he he's it's right there, but he can never find it. Like that's it's like yeah. the final piece he needs to like build his castle, and for whatever reason he keeps digging in this Lego bucket, and he just can't find it, can't find it, can't find it. But it's also like somebody is like telling him it's in there, or 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 he's imagining it's tell, some someone's telling him it's in there, and he's like, oh, I've got to find it, got to find it, got to find it. But I I do like I I his level of disappointment here of like, it's almost like we've gone from one map to another map. We still, we're still not going past the borders of the map again. Like he's still using that analogy. And then the, the second one is M Sundaresh. Who, who is M Sun 12? (laughs) Uh, yeah, this is, that's, I, at least it's my understanding. This is Maya Sundaresh of Ishtar Collective. They, the telling at this moment, Clovis believes this is Maya Sundaresh. That's, I was going to say, that's a <laughs> yeah. good, good can of worms to place in front of everyone <laughs> and not open, but let it sit there and people will think about it. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to open the can just a little bit. Um, How dare you? How dare you open this can? <laughs> so I'm not going to explain who this M. Sundaresh is, who this Maya Sundaresh is. Uh, however, I will say, and you'll, you know, to keep the timeline straight, and uh, this will come up during our discussions on uh, Rasputin. Um, well, and actually, we, we did discuss it a little bit with uh, the AI work that was done um, between Maya Sundaresh and Clovis Bray uh, with our Spire the Watcher video. Yep, where she was like, you can take your protocol and you can go to hell. Yeah, she was not terribly impressed with Clovis's uh, use of the AI that she and his company had had been developing together. 
and um, she, you know, submitted her her resignation. Uh, and it was one of those like you can't fire me, I quit scenarios. Well, and if I if memory serves me correctly, her exact wording were you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was prior to this escapade. Yeah. So it should it should be drawn some question marks about like why is she here and why does Clovis in this entry seem to not give her any significance? He's just like I right. called one of my researchers who happened to be named Maya Sundaresh. Yeah. Uh, so that that will come up, that will be explained, but uh just, you know, keep keep an ear out. But yeah, so so there are vex here. This is there. This is not a completely barren place. No, no. There are vex here. They atomized a few of them, or yeah. Elsie did. But it, but the, and the, and I think that's what that's what I was trying to lead back to from earlier. The whole vex homeworld thing, like, is is this the vex homeworld? I I don't know. It's very hard to say. And again, because we don't know, did they just go to a different? point in the universe in our universe or did they like you know go to a parallel universe where things could be very different um what if that's our son right like what if it's our son and that's what happens to it you know if this other series of events happens kind of right. thing like if, if the vex had manifested in our solar system instead of like single-celled organisms is this what would happen that's like that was my whole idea with like the whole like the the multiverse thing right like they didn't rule that idea out. So this could be another, this, they, they, they could be looking at our sun right now. They could still be in the soul system, but they have, they don't have any way to, to quantify it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So hard to say if this is like a home world or something else, certainly seems to be one of the oldest places that Vex have been recorded. I, uh, for whatever the, that's the worth. glass. Is like that. Obviously, that made me think of Vault of Glass, but like, there's no way they're inside Vault of Glass right now. I don't think so. There, there's nothing else to suggest that to me. But you know, the Vex have used similar glass structures in multiple different, you know, areas of of their buildings. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's similarities at the very least. But. So that brings us to his next entry, uh, which is a note on Vex Fluid. And at the very top of this one, there's a little, uh, you know, scrawled note. Um, says, specimen report, volume of fluid recovered from Vex Reservoir, located on a statite hovering above the Forge Star. Colloquially referred to as Vex Mind Fluid or Vex Milk. So they harvested some radiolaria. He goes on to write. Informatic exchange with any Vex substrate has proven hazardous. The Ishtar collective data Elizabeth has analyzed warns against risks ranging from physical infection by Vex cytostructures to transmission of substrate-free synatic replicators, malignant Onsomims and viral seomatic signifiers, 
a particular nuisance to have vex ideas suddenly assigned to basic concepts in your mind. You want to think about an apple, and instead your brain chokes on gauge contrast gouge. Not sure what that's referring to. I have therefore proceeded under soul sessant, wildfire, hex-tempered, and brain-stain protocols. Vex milk is non-Newtonian, highly conductive, and non-compressible. Its viscosity and surface tension are variable. It can form a resistant membrane or climb the walls of a container like a superfluid. I have even observed the milk store kinetic energy in zero-viscosity vortices, essentially liquid flywheels. One must be careful when stirring it, lest it retain the motion for some future escape. Chemically, the vex milk is an alkaline solution of dense salt in water. The salts range from sodium and calcium to lead and even, in barely detectable amounts, plutonium. Not good to drink. Suspended in this solution are cells of silicoid structure, 100 to 200 micrometers in size. Their shapes are heterogeneous but also geometric, reminiscent of Earth's radiolarian protozoa. Many have needle-like pseudopods, which transform between stiff spines and modal whips in the basis of some physioelectric response. Imaging of internal structure detects a nucleus and a genetic molecule analogous to DNA, though I speculate read-write times are much faster, on the order of milliseconds, perhaps exploiting some quantum effect. I've allowed Dr. Sundaresh to assist me with this work. She has discovered several levels of abstract higher order to the motion of these radiolarian cells. Some of these ensembles are distributed across space, some across time. All admit remarkable beauty. The sensitivity and chaos of fluid media seems to suggest an intrinsic vex suitability for certain difficult computations. Perhaps this is reflected in the nature of vex thought, porous and miscible. I would request a telenomenic analysis. And that's where that entry ends. So this, in, this entire entry is the description of what we see when we, when we go to, when we go to uh, Nessus and we see the giant rake, lake of radiolaria. That's that's what all Vex milk is, is what this entire entry is describing. But the the two things that I want to take away from this, uh, one, don't drink it. It will turn you into a Vex. Uh, that's And that's what he describes at the beginning. Yep. Or it will invade your thoughts and make you think Vex things. And that's that was what I was going to touch on there, too. That, that what was it, like gouge, uh, corrupt, something... It, I th- I think that's like a series of of tasks that like you want to think of an apple but the vex doesn't care what an apple is. So yeah. it just thinks of how to turn it into more vex stuff. And that's the process that it can think of to do. And so when you see apple and you want to think of apple, the vex doesn't care about apples, so the vex thinks how do I make this more more vex? Cuz that's that's the primary thing about vex is they they're not 
they're not inherently evil. They're not inherently good. They just have one primary function, and that's exist. So anything that threatens that existence now becomes like that's that like the previous entry where he's like, we don't want to start a war with these things. And the and the fact that they were kind of passive towards the towards the the explorers. Um and that like they were shooting at him, but they weren't like really shooting at him. They were like Star Wars shooting at him, right? Like, we can't right. hit anything <laughs> with this. Yeah, that's um, but yeah, like it they it, if they don't see something as a threat, they don't care. It's not it's not threatening their existence, and so they just they just kind of like ignore it. And that's that's what that's what that's what I think is that 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 one little entry of like you want to think of an apple, but then instead you think corrupt, gouge, detect, delete. It's just like a ser- It's just a series of code that you you as the human don't know how to interpret it, but the vex that you just drank does know how to interpret it. And that's and so that's what that's what I think of that as, and we we already know that ingesting Vex milk will turn you into a robot. I mean, look at well, we can't anymore. I was gonna say look at Asher Mir. Once upon a time, Asher Mir was me a sad in game example. I mean, he's still out there somewhere in some form. He uh, is assistant. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I want to focus on here. Um, is that you know what the vex actually are you know what this what is in this vex fluid this this alkaline solution it's um you know it's salt and uh or a salt solution salt water essentially but that salt water also contains little single cell silicone-based organisms. Uh, you know, everything in our known universe is carbon-based. You know, carbon oh, is the building I block. Even, I didn't even make that connection. I, 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 I thought about the little single-celled... But you're right. Holy shit. So these, these things aren't even built on the same, you know, chemical building blocks is everything else we know currently there's certainly many theories out there about organisms that could be like uh, i think methane based is one of them and in this case silicone based if it's silicone based this is like a they're like mini transistors exactly which is probably why it's so easy for them to share instructions and thoughts quote unquote to each other and the other thing that is really unique about them is that they have a nucleus and they have a genetic version of DNA. They have a silicone version of DNA, but it's as if it's DNA. If DNA was a quantum computer. Yeah. Like the, the amount of processing power in each of those tiny, little single cell things is more he, than any computer on our planet. He talks about how like just a single one of these, the read write speed alone on a single one of these organisms is like 10 times more powerful than, than, a, than an entire room of computers that, that would exist at that time. Like that's, yeah, man, I, I don't know why, like the, it's all starting to like click now, right? Like it's like every little thing, like the the connection of like, oh, this is silicon. 
wait, transistors are made of silicon. Oh, transistors exist in microprocessors. Oh, my God, transistors exist everywhere. Oh, my God, this is how they can compute. Oh, my God, they're doing it at tiny levels. Oh, my God, and it's quantum, too. Oh, my God, this is how we get to quantum computing. That's literally the, the that was the train of thought in my brain from, hey, there's silicon-based life forms to, oh, my God, quantum computing. <laughs> but it's it's kind of incredible to think about. I mean, like, you know, it, he he compares their D. So, f- you know, in in very broad terms, uh, the human body, the human brain, is the most efficient, fast computer, quote unquote, in existence today. Uh, you know, no matter what we have created at a technological level. Nothing has the ability to process the sheer amount of information that our brain can process in in a given time frame. Quantum computing is so powerful that if and when quantum computers are are ever cracked, uh, which may happen in the very near future, um, it will immediately make every other form of computation that we know of obsolete by thousands, you know, thousandfold. It will be it's, that much faster. It's it's literally like your your cell phone compared to a Turing machine. Like yeah. that's the level of difference in computing power we're talking about between a between a cell phone and a quantum computer. Like that's those are the leaps that that it goes. Like your your phone is thousands billions times more computable than a turing machine whereas a quantum computer is billions times more calculable um than your cell phone and so with that in mind you know to to kind of build these that's that scale of reference quantum computer arguably the fastest computer in existence even beyond the the human mind and Every single one of these little microscopic silicone cells has that quantum computing and they can all talk to each other. And that is how the that's, VEX are that's, able Dude, to, that's computer networking. That's Yeah, it's it's an organic computer network. An organic quantum shit. computer network. Yeah. Dude. My my brain's getting fried right now. Like just thinking of the sheer computing power. I mean, this make this makes Watson look like a TI eighty three. Yeah, yeah. This is this is. Oh my god. Okay, okay. Continue. So, I'm, my mind's just just melted just then. Yeah. Needless to say, this is why Vex are so terribly impressive with everything they can do as far as simulation and prediction and and all of that. And also terribly scary <laughs> for the same reasons. Yeah. Um, because the only reason they can't outthink us, the Guardian, is because they can't predict us. They can't predict something that has, you know, that, that does not have cause and effect. Guardians uh, make their own fate. Damn straight. But Clovis continues in relation to this uh, Vex fluid. He says, I would request a telenomic 
analysis from an AI calm resource of the Vex fluid, if, it had not, if I did not expect the tyrant to get its grubby Russian paws on my data. I hesitate to apply anthropomorphic concepts of intelligence or self-awareness or even sentience to such an alien cognition. But I strongly suspect that each radiolarian element is in communication with its neighbors, and possibly even retains a holographic record of the larger structure. If so, we could safely assign the trait called Schrodinger thalliance to the Vex milk, the ability to communicate internal states to others and to model the external state of the world. I note that the Vex milk, while computationally powerful, computationally powerful, seems to avoid semiosis. That is, it prefers to mimic the actual dynamics of phenomena rather than assigning a symbol. This fundamental difference between Vex cognition and our own. We encode inputs as symbols, manipulate the symbols according to some set of logical rules, and produce an output. The Vex are more direct. Burn them. They will extinguish the fire. Not because they possess a symbolic knowledge of fire and its properties, but because their structure is so suited to adaption and survival that the heat of the fire directly becomes the response required to snuff it out. Rather than encoding symbols, they generate self-sustaining, self-correcting patterns, which, like the suspension of a bridge flexing under strain, can accept destructive input and produce reparatory output. When we are infected by Vex, as the Ishtar data warns against, I suspect that we are simply experiencing Vex patterns jumping from one substrate to another, recruiting our own brains and bodies as media for their spread. It is not hostility. It is simply their way of interacting with the universe. And it is that transmutation, that migration to another substrate, not is is that sub transmutation not what I seek here on Europa? Perhaps clarity has been very generous indeed. The Ishtar researchers felt that this asymbolic mode of thought raised a disturbing possibility. The Vex might not communicate or interact with us by understanding our language, but instead by creating internal copies of our mind. They would prod and stimulate those internal copies to see how they behaved, and if they choose to destroy us, they learned how to do it by torturing and destroying those internalities. To be the enemy of the Vex is to be reproduced, experimented upon, and annihilated all within their mindscape. And that ends there. I I love this. Like this this is this is literally explaining like why they're not necessarily why. Well, maybe why, but like their whole the Vex's whole point of existing is to exist. That is it. And so everything it does is to just further existence. And so anything it sees as as like a foreign 
entity or something like that, something that isn't Vex. It just looks at ways to use that thing, not necessarily against itself, but to use that thing to further existence as Vex. Like, like the whole fire thing. Like, it doesn't put it out because it hates fire. It puts it out because it's not Vex, and it needs to become Vex. So, therefore, it's not allowed to be a fire. Like, that's... And, and this is happening on, like, a quantum level. Like, this is... God, I, I'm... Brain has been melted here. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um... And I know this is this is an exo series, and I promise it is an exo series. No, this not is now a vex series. series. We've given up on the exos. No, but we will find that the two are are so linked to one another that you can't talk about one without the other. And that's that's the crazy thing too is like we know so little about the vex um, as far as like a like a species, right? Like we we've done histories on this on this channel. Um, of of the history of the Hive, the history of the Cabal, the history of the Awoken, the Elixni. It's hard to do a history of the Vex because it's they're so unknown. Like this is the most I want to say like like this this little section here is the most we know about the Vex. Oh, definitely. Like especially from a, a scientific or anatomical point of view. Yeah. Like this is this is the most anyone has researched them and printed out that research in a way that we, the, the players, have access to it. So, with all of this in mind, I, not everyone is terribly thrilled about dealing with the Vex as this great uh, gift from Clarity. And uh, so in the next entry here, this is section 39. Um, Clovis goes on to say, Elizabeth is momentally disturbed by this, which is highly inconvenient. Despite my efforts to soothe her with fine dining and conversation, she has begun to question the very idea of cybernetic immortality. Aren't the Vex a perfect demonstration of what could go wrong, she demands. Human minds trapped in a total inhuman context, tormented and mutilated by an unsympathetic alien god. If we want to preserve our minds for eternity, couldn't we end up that way? Aren't we giving up the grace of death, the promise that all suffering will end? She continues to argue. Elizabeth, I counter, perhaps too sharply. The Vex are already doing this to our minds. They will do it whether we are weak in our weak flesh or durable metal. If they got into our bodies, into our blood, we would be far safer in an exo-body. In fact, I can think of no finer way to resist Vex infiltration. Dr. Sundaresh requests further expeditions to the Forge Star for material. She does not trust the other members of her team, claiming suspicion of Vex exposure, and prefers to work directly with me. Very well, but I wonder what peculiar internal motives she harbors. I reformatted my assistant. No sense taking risks. We know what my who knows what might get into my head through that proxy link. 
And that's the end of that one. Yeah, he's he. I mean, it's Vex, man. It's it. it what little they do know about it, it's 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 fucky. um so yeah like it's for some vex reason for some vex reason yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah that's super true right now um for some vex reason m sunderesh doesn't seem to ring a bell or yeah no um but and and that's i think that's that's another thing to point out too is like it's to me it's super suspicious that like she doesn't trust anyone on the team and she only wants to work directly with Clovis. Right. We're talking about somebody who's told Clovis to go fuck himself and and resigned and now she just only wants to work with him. Like that's yeah, that shouldn't that shouldn't raise any red flags at all. It's it's fine. Despite Elsie's reservations clovis of course continues with his experimentation with the radiolarian fluid to because you know this is what clarity led him to clearly he should he should try it sure what i guess was the thought process uh we have uh records of the initial experiments that clovis did with this radiolarian fluid for science uh, for for science yeah <laughs> and godhood <laughs> um and so we're going to read through the kind of outcome of a lot of these uh and so he starts out this is uh from the bray lab record book i uh, which came with beyond light i was gonna say is this the is this the end game one the that like when you went and found the exos throughout the world, you got a you got a lore entry. I believe that was what this was from. Yeah, uh, and these all take place in the Deepstone Crypt because that's where all of his exo experimentation was happening. Um, and actually, for those you know, now that I'm thinking of it, for those that, that aren't aware, the Vex Gate that he used to go to this place and collect the Vex fluid and whatnot, um, that is the Vex Gate at the end of the Glassway Strike. That is the same gate. I I love that that's included in that strike. Like, like it. it, it I I love when they can tie all this stuff together, and you can have yeah. a, a physical. Well, I guess that's a digital representation since it's in a video game. But you can have a physical. Like our guardian can go somewhere and be like, "Hey, this is this is what Clovis built. This is why. This is how he got to to vex. This is this is the whole thing. Is this? And yeah. I I I love that when the lore connects with with stuff. I like yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's great. Especially when they put it into something like a strike or whatnot. But um so the very first test was on test subject 142. Uh or excuse me, this was test number 142. Um and the uh location was the Deepstone Crypt. Would would Clovis give his test subjects names? No, they're just numbers. That's so lame. Yeah. He's such an asshole. So presiding over this test is Clovis Bray and Dr. J. Wong and patient number one is how that's referred to. Uh, the test is radiolarian fluid ingestion and the log of it Clovis, how does it taste? Patient. Metallic. Coarse. Something else? Does it feel digestible? 
It feels nourishing. It's cool. I can feel it making its way through me. This is encouraging. No immediate effects. Uh, no, I... Wait. What is it? Talk to us. It feels like it's attacking my stomach. Patient vomits. Sir, his heart rate is spiking and his pressure is dropping. Damn it, he's losing fluids at an alarming rate. Exciting, isn't it? What's going to happen? He's going to die, sir. That's what's going to happen. Fine, fine. Send in the medic units. I'm not sure if that's safe. We don't know if it's contagious. It could be airborne. And how else are we going to find out? We'll send in the medic units. That's the end of that translog. Science is squishy, and I don't like it. <laughs> Sorry, biology is squishy, and I don't like it. Yeah. So, I, 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 with this entry, I was always curious, like, how much did he drink? Did like he did Clovis like hand him like a shot glass and was like, "Well, bottoms up," or right? did he like yeah. hand him like an eight ounce mug and was like, "Hey, drink this." Now, now when I think when I think of like medical stuff, right? Like if, if you've ever had to go get a CAT scan, they hand you thirty two ounces of this chalky shit, and and you've got to drink all of it. I'm not drinking thirty two ounces of Vex milk. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Especially if it's salt water. Essentially, That's what I'm saying. Like, like, I've been to the ocean. That shit tastes. That it's it's horrible. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, so with that uh, experiment failing, uh, Clovis moves on to the next idea of how to introduce radiolarian, and this is uh, test number one sixty-seven. So there's been a few in between, and this is radiolarian fluid injection. Uh, and this is Clovis, J. Wong, and patient number two. The log reads, That's twice now. Direct consumption and direct injection yield similar results. Airborne has been disproven, but direct contact with the fluid still produces corruption. I wish you wouldn't call it that. It's not corruption, it's reprogramming. I'd like to bring Helga into these sessions. She has an engineer's mind. She'll find the workarounds we need. Slimmer units, stronger materials, alternate power sources. I would advise against that. She's... The pursuit of science isn't always her top priority. When she sees what we're seeing, the precipice of a new age, she'll fall in line. I like working without jurisdiction. Wasn't that point of us coming out here? With her track record, it will only be a matter of time before the human ethics organization come down on us. And when did I ask for your opinion on this? Send in the cleanup crew and prep the next patient. Sir, his arm is transforming. Would you look at that? It appears to be replacing cells on an individual level. Can it be contained? Is there a way to stop the spread? 
we can amputate, but at this rate I doubt we'd be fast enough. Perhaps exposure to clarity would slow it down? We need to control this, study the arm. If he is going to die anyway, maybe we just amputate and pair the arm with another patient. But we don't currently have any other... Oh. Wouldn't you like to have a shiny new arm? Don't you want to be stronger and vulnerable? Don't act so surprised. You know what we're working towards. That's the end of that log. Fuck this. Th- this guy is... Hey, drinking it killed him. What happens if we directly put it in his bloodstream? What the hell? And then to be like, oh, if it's going to kill him anyway, we'll just chop it off and attach it to you, assistant. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, this is, this is, holy shit. He's a crazy SOB. Yeah, but Helga, she's the, she's the one from the foundries, from the, um, oh God, the Black, Black Armory. Armory. Yep. Yeah, she, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I, at least in my headcanon, like introducing her into this like level of experimentation and, and like showing off these different results is what drives her to quit and go join the black arm the black armory like that's very possible yeah. that to me just seems like that's because it's helga it's it's rasmussen right Re, or not Res, Res, rasmussen rasmussen but yeah i like i i feel like this like having her introduced to this is what drives her away completely and, and it's like no because that's the whole thing with the with the black army is like they directly wanted to do something different than clovis bray like like they hated the 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 clovis bray and we're like, no, this this black army, this is these forges, this is the way to go. And so that's that's why they brought Helga to them. Like that's yeah. I feel like this is the this is the event that that or or not this specific event, but having her come into Clovis's um fold is what ulti- and seeing this is what drives her away. And she's like, nah, fuck that. I'm not dealing with this shit either. Yeah. So Clovis, of course, is not done. He's continuing to do experiments. Uh, in this case, he's not doing it with the Vex fluid. He's doing it with the Vex gate. Uh, this is test number 259, titled Transtemporal Crossing. And uh, the log reads as this. Send them through. Participants step forward through the portal. Maintain your grasp on the tether. Count to ten and step back out. Final bet, Clovis. Do you think they'll be older or younger? Older. But if they come back younger, I'm going in next. (laughs) I think we should get more through clinical trials before you subject yourself, sir. Here we go. They're through. Countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two, one, pulling tether. Where are they? The tether appears to be stuck. Pull harder. It looks like it may snap under this tension. Maybe they like what they found? Or something is holding them there. It's giving. Here they come. Oh, disgusting. You smell that? 
It's permeating through the glass. What are we looking at? It looks to be complete cellular deterioration. They're just... goop, for lack of a better term. Well, I guess I won't be going in yet after all. Seems like there are still some things man is not meant to conquer. If you believe that, you're in the wrong place, Justin. Just needs a little fine-tuning. And that's the end of that one. Nope. 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 That, it's, this squishy bits is... <laughs> <laughs> I, this, this is why this is why I would never be a doctor, a nurse, any of that. Can't do squishy bits. I can do hardware all day long, but yeah, can't do can't do squishy bits. So like it, I mean, complete. So now here's a question: Did it just like steal the did did the fusion machines in 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 the, on the other side just steal all the metal out of their bodies? Hard to say. We don't really know where the portal they stepped through goes like is it the same portal that clovis did go through earlier is it something different we don't really know i that's just freaky it's just it's completely freaky yeah it disassembled them at a genetic level nope 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 (laughs) nope nope so the next test is 312 uh titled exo arm attachment And this one is not with Justin Wong. It is with Helga Rasmussen and Clovis Bray and Patient 32. So this one's, this log starts with Helga. How about the index finger? Uh, nope. Extremities remain unresponsive. Are there any sensations at all? phantom ones i have an itch i'd like to scratch my chest feels heavy like someone's sitting on it while nerve endings are attached to the mechanism successfully we are not generating action potentials this isn't working helga still progress you'll have to settle for that i typically don't settle for anything Uh, hello? I'm struggling to breathe. He's experiencing massive myocardial infraction. Send in the medic units. I fear my earlier hypothesis was correct. The human body in its current evolution cannot sustain the physical exertion of a machine part. Then we should evolve. Oh, okay. Let me just jump ahead a hundred million years real quick. We've had some interesting advancements in the past transcriptional modification. Gene splicing with primates, fish, and some birds. What if we built stronger humans? Could they withstand this process? I am an engineer, not a geneticist. I don't know if your ape man can wield a metal arm. That's such a reductive and tasteless comprehension of what I'm proposing. He's flatlined. We've lost him. Well, you know what they say. If at first you don't succeed. That's the end of that log. It's it's not an ape man. It's a fish bird hybrid man thingy. I just... (laughs) The idea of like, hey, gene splicing. 
what if, what if a person but with fish a fish fin and wings fuck it that'll work right <laughs> right right yeah it's i can't i can't no more squishy bits not for me nope <laughs> nope nope so the next one he's trying to figure out how to provide more power to an exo frame uh so in this test he is attempting to use nuclear power to power an exo so this log is uh, actually on the Morningstar platform, not on Europa itself. And uh, it's Clovis Bray and a D Chambers are the two people mentioned. So Chambers starts off this log. Sir, we're prepped and standing by for your order. And the reactor is stable. Stable and ready for installation in the exo body. If this works, generations will praise the work accomplished today. Sir, if you don't mind me saying, the team would have liked you to be here personally. Would have been a vote of confidence for them. May I remind you, it was at your insistence that we find an alternate power source to clarity even though it has already proven to be a success. Besides, if the reactor explodes with me present, it would be the single greatest loss our civilization could suffer and would damn us all for eons to come. Now get on with it. Yes, sir. Install the core. Are you able to see well enough? I am watching with bated breath. Calculated distance of three millimeter, two millimeters, one millimeter. We're in. Lock the chassis. Switch on the alternator and reroute power supply. Nothing is happening. It would appear not. If nuclear power isn't a sufficient power source, perhaps there are other uses. It's not compatible at the very least. It is interesting to note that the chassis may be able to house other forms of power with similarly destructive potential. We have a walking bomb on our hands. And that's the end of that log. Because, you know, that's not an ethical dilemma at all. No, of course not. Jesus Christ, Clovis. Oh, my gosh. I, well, and that, this entry brings up uh, something... That I guess we've never even thought of or talked about yet in this series. We we've been so focused on like how do we get the mind to work inside of an exobody. We've never really thought of power requirements. Like, I mean, any any type of any type of anything, any type of of device that needs to be able to move and do things on its own, especially an electrically powered one, needs yeah. some sort of power source. Like. Yeah, why not go with nuclear? That'll work. Only right. has to refuel every. And what happens if the body runs out of juice? Does the brain shut down? I mean, presumably. Yeah, I don't know. So there's a number of other experiments that I'm going to. I'm not going to go through and read every single one because spoilers—they all fail in some horrific way. 
Uh, oh God, not more squishy bits. <laughs> but there, I am going to read one of these that I think is rather interesting, considering the power source that Exos run on, and uh, kind of the the implication, knowing what we know now. So this is test number five twelve, which I think is the the latest test in the in the series, um, and is presumably after Clarity Control and the Vex Radiolaria have been discovered to be the perfect solution. And it appears to have granted at least one test subject something a little extra. So this is with Clovis and Jay Wong again, and a EXO-98. Uh, this log goes like this. Are we ready to introduce our exo-marionette to the future? Energy transfers initiated. I love that sound. The sound of progress. We're at 15%. Look at his hand. Magnificent. The ice is concentrated at the palm. Now at 20%. Imagine the look on Abram's face if he walked in now. The man has no vision. I don't trust people like that. Agreed. Threshold at 25%. Now would be optimal. Let's see what he can do. Try to focus the energy into a controlled burst. There's a loud hum and blast and sounds of impact. It went right through the wall. How pop the champagne? We're at 30% now. Should we stop? No, keep going. We can have him chill the champagne for us. Passing 35, the ice appears to be spreading up his arm. I think we should pull back. Keep going. Another round of ice blasts. A loud hum, and the humming intensifies. I said blast, damn it. Shoot a blast now. Sir, the the ice is permeating throughout his body now. He's turning into an icicle. He's unresponsive, killing the feed. Is he still alive? He's frozen solid. It's possible he'll still be operational. Incredible. We forge ahead under strict lock and key. I want this under my control, no matter the cost. That's the end of that log. R&D science always leads to weaponization. Yep. I find it very interesting that this is weaponization of ice. Yeah. And uh, knowing that clarity I mean, equals this, dark. Is, that's what I'm saying. Like, is this the first instance of stasis? I, I have a feeling it may be. That's that's crazy. Stasis before before even, even paracausality. Because the Traveler still hasn't gone dark. Like this is still dur- yeah. that's that's another thing to keep in mind too. This is all still happening during the golden age. Like this is all pre-collapse that that yep. this is that this these events are happening. So to see st- essentially stasis pre oh my god. That makes stasis the first paracausal ability in the in this soul system. Well, I I guess I guess the traveler itself is kind of a paracausality in itself. So but definitely the first darkness, definitely the first use of stasis, I feel like. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And that brings us to entry eight, section 40, where he says this. Eureka! The Vex radiolarian fluid is obviously too virulent for use in exomines. But if exposed to clarity, the Vex patterns break down, and the fluid takes on some of the properties of clarity itself, namely its reductive effect. Introducing a tiny aliquote of this refiled clarity into an exomind solves the loop and billboard and crash cycle, as far as I can tell, permanently. The combination of vex fluid and clarity is the key to cybernetic immortality. So, gonna pause there. I was going to say, there you have it. Every exo in existence is made up of vex milk and darkness. Yep. Which really sucks, because my warlock's a vex. Or, not a vex. <laughs> well, now he is. Well, now he is, yeah. <laughs> am I Bob? Oh my god, am I Bob? Oh, oh no. Oh shit. Existential Bob. <laughs> oh god. Oh god, why? <laughs> yeah, like, and, and we talked about that before too, like that's the whole, the whole equation, like clarity introduced to something turns that something into something totally different, and it can never be, it can never go back to that original something. Um, but yeah, it, the, the, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's interesting to me, like that he came to this conclusion. It, it feels kind of out of place, but, but it also feels correct, right? Like to come up with the, with the mathematical equation of clarity plus A equals B and, but then to never, to, to, to have this Vex build this gate for him, for him to go through the gate and show up and be like, oh, this place sucks whatever and then to go home and to not like revisit that idea until now and then go oh shit bring clarity to it make put clarity with it and make clarity turn it into something else see what that does and then now that now that he's done that he's it 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 appears that it has solved this this billboarding issue it it keeps the vex mind or the the exo mind busy enough with um for lack of a better term, subroutines to keep it from just getting caught in a loop. Yeah. So, you know, having made this grand discovery through his experimentation that clarity plus radiolaria plus vex milk uh, equals the key to making exos work. It it gets around the billboarding issues. That that was the other thing too. It, It also solves the power requirement. Yes. That 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 to me was mind blowing. Like, you don't even need the nuclear. It it the clarity plus the vex milk will also power this thing. That's just that's mind blowing to me. Yeah, it's it it's interesting to think of darkness, I guess, or maybe it comes from the the radiolaria. I'm not sure, but something is producing energy pretty much endlessly. Yeah. Uh, which brings a whole lot of questions about exos that have been raised by ghosts into guardians. Cause like they've revived something that is vex slash darkness in a body with a human conscious. It, there's a lot <laughs> there. There is absolutely a lot. And now I question my own existence as an exo warlock. Well, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, but he's he's made this great discovery of these two things together are are what he needs. And um he continues 
to now now that he's made this discovery, he has to prove it. He has to make sure that that it's going to do what he thinks it will before he submits himself to it. Uh, and so in his uh, next log entry here, or his next journal entry, we're back at the, the log book now, um, Clovis goes on to say this. I uploaded a connection from my library into an exo-body head treated with the clarity and vex preparation. A full destructive scan of an aging Georgian volunteer, one Mr. A.D.A. I. Zook. I think he believes he is in a nightmare. Fear not, Mr. Zook. I would never mistreat the beginning of something so wonderful. You will be the first of many. They shall march out to this European laboratory and sweep, a sw- sweep away every inf- infirmity, every disease, every loss, until all humanity rests in the loving premise of my exo-bodies, and all the future will look to me in humble gratitude. The problem, of course, is that we are going to require more vex fluid. His next entry is a message to Elsie Bray. I've finished my workup on your exam data. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. The disease has already activated. There are defective prions in your spinal fluid, which means they are replicating throughout your brain. Without treatment, you have 15 months. If we fought the prions with aggressive cytomachine injections, immunosuppressants, and the gene therapy, you could last five or six years. We could even alter your sensorum to knock you out and emulate sleep. That might give you enough quality of life to conduct some final research and say your goodbyes. I know that I have been a cruel and domineering grandfather. You and your sisters have speculated that I intentionally sabotaged your father's genome so that he would never cultivate me without my help. That doesn't bother me. Actually, I wish I'd thought of it myself, to force my own beloved progeny to either achieve synthetic immortality or die in an agony. Now that would be commitment to greatness. But I never wanted to hurt my grandchildren. Grandkids have always been my favorite. Do you remember in that old Clovis Bray contract I showed to you? We want your grandchildren. My collaborations keep the rights to their inventions, but Braytech would own the unexpected combinations of those inventions. Grandchildren are unexpected creations. The wonderful knock-on consequences of reproduction. We have children rather than making clones of ourselves because the exploration of possibility lets us find new ways to survive a changing universe. If the 52-card playing deck has never been shuffled the same way twice in the entire history of the universe, imagine how many possible grandchildren I could have produced. And out of all of these possibilities, I got you, the finest of them all. I owe you the salvation I couldn't give your father. Please consider making a terminal scan and decanting your mind into an immortal exo-body. I myself plan to do so soon. That is the end of the message.
wow. The thought of like introducing death to be like, join me or die. Like that's. Yeah. I mean, that's Clovis. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not even necessarily like join me or die. It's the, here's exactly how much time you have left or you can do a, and let me emphasize terminal brain scan to be uploaded into an exo you can kill your organic body and be uploaded into an exo now to live in that exo body forever hopefully or you have maybe six years to make peace mind-blowing mind-blowing the level of psychoticness that he has yeah and elsie responds <laughs> with a much shorter message um But her message to him states, I don't trust you. You made the same promises to father, didn't you? I wouldn't put myself in one of your human form torture dolls until you can prove it's safe. And even then, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be part of your Luca dream. Stop trying to get that rhubarb compote recipe right. You serve it at every dinner, waiting for me to say it's just like Grandma made it. It's pathetic. And you wonder why I'd rather eat with the crew. And that's the end of her response back. Uh, However... Pretty pretty blatant fuck you. However, I think it's worth noting, she did not send it. Ah. She wrote it and then deleted it. Uh, Presumably it was recovered. Clovis saw it, even if she never sent it, because uh, it's in his logbook. But um, she never actually ended up sending that response to him. Now we get to section 43, entry number nine in the logbook. Uh, and Clovis is ready to go forward. He's like, I've got all the pieces I need. Start printing exos, essentially. And uh, So, this section reads like this. The infrastructure is in place. We are now in limited exobody production. I have allowed small VEX platforms to pass through the gate from 2082 Volantis, uh, which is the name they've given uh, that planet. Their mind fluid goes to clarity control, and the alkahest flows back. The machine of immortality has begun its slow turn. In ancient days, they believed that the source of the alkahest was the philosopher's stone. I have named my own source after that deepest, oldest stone, a place where the dead go to rise again, a deep stone crypt. Bray Station guarantees our security from above. The Europa Life Project provides deniability and cover. The infrastructure around Clarity Control will expose the Vex Radiolaria fluid to Clarity and deliver it to the Exobody manufacturing site. One of the Exobodies are prepared. Uh, Once the Exobodies are prepared, I will upload the mines from my research library. A century of volunteers waiting for reincarnation. 
The first generation is already coming online. But I will not be one of them. Not yet. And neither will Elizabeth. A true upload requires a maximum resolution subneural scan, and such a scan is invariably fatal. That means I will only get one shot. I will not take it until the exos are stable. I refuse to be an alpha tester of my own immortality. I am opening two new off-the-books labs to study the Vex and the effects of clarity. If humanity is going to fully transmigrate to these immortal bodies, then the eternal welfare of all future generations depends on spotting and avoiding any dangers now. I can justify taking extreme measures. One of my most tantalizing projects involves A. Miller, a young man who suffers from a nanoparticle-induced degenerative immune disorder. I have been testing radical new imaging techniques on Mr. Miller, hoping to secure a non-destructive scan that still meets the requirements for a full-faith upload. Unfortunately, Mr. Miller's dosage of various fixing compounds and imaging radiation is is approaching the limits of clinical toxicity. Despite Despite blood and CSF washes, I fear his tumors will escape our control. I am curious about the therapeutic potential of the Vex fluid. I plan to obtain his informed consent for a human trial. M. Sundaresh comes and goes at odd hours. Her behavior is erratic. Yesterday she discussed the possibility that we would be eternal collaborators in exobodies and I believe she even flirted with me. An hour later, she was as cold as the ice outside and put up her hand to silence me whenever I spoke. An hour after that, she glowed with joy as she went on and on about her dear wife. And then she wept. I'm not sure whether to blame my confusion on my own, on my own conception of women or on Maya Sundaresh's racing mind. I cannot tolerate such volatility, and I would dismiss her instantly except that her supervision seems key to the accessible entrapment of the Vex we need. She has a knack for it. I have ordered a new hero of organ-growing pigs. I plan to be here a while. Elizabeth will not commit to a scan. I fear she will die in some accident, and I will lose her forever. That's the end of that log. I mean, I, I guess he's not totally heartless towards Elizabeth, at least. Well, she she's his test subject. Like, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. He he wants to see it work on another <laughs> yeah. gray and work specifically perfectly. says he's not going to be the alpha test for this, right? Like she she is family. She's as close as he can get to himself. Yep. He wants to see it work. Yeah, he wants to see it work on her and her. You know her mind to be completely intact and like, yeah. He cares. Heavy quotation marks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He cares about his science experiment, but he needs, needs more pigs. <laughs> right. He needs more pigs. Uh, he's got to grow more organs. Yeah. But the, the other kind of interesting entry here is um, about Maya Sundaresh. Yeah, 
like her all of all of these actions she's taking or like all of the personality stuff that's happening here is it's crazy sporadic yeah she's like cycling through different um different personalities different emotions uh presenting him with different stimuli to maybe gauge his response to you know her actions yeah um for reasons that we will discover later on but i i think as odd as it is you know as odd as clovis says it is that she's like hopping around all the different you know emotional uh responses um i think it's a very calculated choice by m sundaresh or this m sundaresh um that will make sense once once we know a little more about her yep can of worms gets deeper doesn't it oh it always does uh that is where we are going to uh end things for tonight and we will pick back up with the uh you know what is discovered as exo bodies start reaching production all right well uh let's uh let's start off with shout outs what do we got yeah, so we've got uh, one shout-out tonight that we're going to bring some attention to. Um, this comes to us from our Twitter page. It is from a Thomas Fisher the uh, Third, And they say, Found you guys Monday and haven't been able to stop. You guys have gotten me through the work week, and I'm so excited to keep listening and learning. Myth goes so in-depth with the lore and the theories and have my mind blowing while I'm at my desk. Keep it up, fellas. Yeah. So thank you. He 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 is definitely the theorist between the two of us. He 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 myth has all the better uh ideas and theories. I every once in a while I'll I'll hit one. Every once in a while. But uh no, I I and and myth myth always says this too. Um I like the dynamic between the two of us that I can come up I I can think of one thing and then he'll kind of bounce off of that and go take it further and, and Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for finding us and and listening to us. You 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 are not the only one to have stopped working and listened <laughs> yeah. to us. Though we, we don't encourage it, we definitely appreciate it. <laughs> we're definitely happy that we're more exciting than your average workday. But yeah, thank you. Yeah. So um, I say, for anyone wondering where they can reach us, uh, as I said from this shout out, we do have a Twitter. Uh, it's at Myths and Stories with the Z instead of an S. Um, for as long as Twitter continues to exist, who knows? It's, uh, it's getting worse, man. I know. Um, say you will also find us on any of the major podcast platforms uh, where you can leave a review. And, uh, you know, if, if you so choose, you can leave a text review. We do read those. Uh, we tend to pull shout outs from there as well. So if you're interested, you know, leave, leave us, leave us something there, rate us what you think we're worth. And, uh, you may hear yourself, on a future episode. Yeah. Well, I guess I got to give uh thank yous. Um, let's see, who should I thank? Um, I don't know. I keep wanting to thank Bob, but Bob's probably not the one to thank. He probably not <laughs> clearly sent us somewhere wrong. Um, maybe Helga. Yeah, I could thank Helga. 
She 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 joined long enough to be the engineer that uh, was on the case, but uh, not long enough to you know do cut arms off of people and put them on somebody else. So thanks, Helga, for being our moral compass. Yeah, or at least our ethical yeah. compass. I don't I don't know what the difference between the two would be. Well, regardless, she didn't stick around long, and I can't say I blame her. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, uh, so this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, you got anything else, Smith? No, I think that's it. Um, we're going to be continuing our uh, story of the EXO for um, our at least our next episode, maybe two or two, maybe more. Uh, and then we'll start getting into some of the other areas of Bray Tech. So just keep an, keep an ear out for that. Yay. All right. Uh, well, I guess if that's it. Um, from all of us lore daddies to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next time.